Who's introing today? Does it matter? I can do it. There you go. I All built right. up the. <coughs> yep, oh, <wait>. great start. <laughs> All righty. <laughs> Hello everyone, I'm back here for episode 9 of the Zoocast. We've got a bit of a fun episode today with some trivia, finally getting into some 67s with their season, preseason getting kind of underway. Uh, how are you guys doing today? We're good. Um, well, I'm good. I don't know what, I don't know. I don't know. I'd say the same, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff uh, to cover today. There was, I mean, we're, we're used to doing this thing where we go over all the signings at the beginning, but no one's that's done now pretty much like thank, thank the, God, so man. we will the biggest profile signing of the last week was eric and branson to calgary which is hilarious well that's deserved <laughs> very they are paying him like two million dollars which is yep. it's just insanity so best of luck to eric and branson and calgary that was pretty much the only contract they got how does calgary they, they come brought, up every episode like yeah literally they've had a weird offseason they brought back michael stone too on a one-year deal so that true. that'll be a fun pair for them if that ends up being a thing and brad richardson recently also I yeah think. that's right all the daryl sutter players yeah right that's what's that's what they've been going after the last last couple weeks so we'll see how the erica branson experiment goes in calgary i'm sure it won't be different than how it went here but what do i know so that is what it is. Um, I think it's safe to say it will be somewhat similar. Yeah, that's fair. I agree with Depends you. Depends where he plays, but yeah, they don't have a branch for four. him. To, they don't have a branch for him to ruin. They're playing really. with Valimaki or Valimaki, I guess. Yeah, we got a couple of young demon. Yeah. So Eric Branson to Calgary, and that's that's the news of the week, pretty much. But on the topic of the Sens, Pierre Dorian signed an extension. That's fun. He, uh, I think, the most. You know, critical part of that was the fact that he posted they posted a picture on Instagram and they announced that Gabriel's is the, the pizza sponsor now. Finally. So that's kind of, that's huge, right? Because you go to a game, you're starving, like just so hungry at first or second intermission. And there's like pizza pizza it just tastes like cardboard for like five dollars a slice. Yeah. And now yeah, but you yeah, but a Gabriel slice can be twelve fifty. I know. That's so, what I was gonna say. You gotta like throw the fine line. Yeah, we'll yeah. see what they do. It's maybe they'll be so much better though. God. Oh, it's gonna be better because we're used to. I mean, Louis, we've gone to a bunch of sixty sevens games, and it's Gabriel's, they have Gabriel's yeah. there. Which well, is... just the food in general is much so much better at sixty seven yeah, games. I, I do agree. Anyway, um, so yeah, Pierre Dorian extended until like twenty four, twenty five. Um, I found it funny. I don't know if you. I don't know if you guys agree. I found it funny that they extended the GM before the GM extended like the most important player since they traded Carlson. Like Kachuk is not actually signed yet. I mean, he probably will, which still hasn't happened yet, by the way, he's still not signed, but they signed the G like they Melnick gave Dorian like a vote of confidence without him actually signing Kachuk. I mean, it was after the Batherson signing though, still. At it least. was. Yeah. Yeah, and and that. and the DJ Smith signing, which that was, you could argue that that one was more done to like give Kachuk stability. I don't know that you can yeah. say the same for 
Pierre Dorian being in yeah, charge? Maybe. We don't know how much he actually like talks to and impacts like the players directly. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it is a little puzzling and we're still waiting for that to happen, right? I, most people are hoping for that to happen on Thursday on Kachuk's <laughs> birthday. Yeah. So that he gets signed and probably gets to see also. That, that'd be quite the present. That would be nice. And there was pictures today because it's, it's NHL media day. And there were pictures today and Shabbat had an A on his jersey. I'm just put that out there. He had an A on his jersey in one of the pictures. And what does that mean? I don't know. But it's out there. It's in the world. Um, anyway, Josh, Pierre Dorian is kind of regarded as a pretty polarizing GM. Like, he's made a bunch of moves. Like, he's very, very active. Some of them turn out a little better than others. Do you think he's the right guy to kind of roll this thing ahead as, they, as he put it, like, exit the rebuilding phase? I mean, he's the one who's, you know, led the entire rebuild so i feel like if you're melnick and you're the one making the decision to be kind of unfair to have him go through this entire rebuild and be like all right we're getting better get out of here you know what i mean <laughs> yeah it's it'll be an interesting move i can't say if it's gonna be good or bad yet we'll see well this is kind of the first time in dorian's career as a gm that he has like expectations really to do something like the last four years it's been well, he was gm for the 2017 run though wasn't he yeah but that was that was his first year was it not yeah, I like, think you're right. there weren't huge expectations that year. Like it was like, you know what that's I mean? True. Like, sure, they made it. And that's great. But then after that, it was rebuild. Like, I guess he had expectations the next year because he went so far, but not like not really. Like a little bit. It was disappointing. But he's been rebuilding for four years. There's been no pressure. Like, I mean, obviously there's been pressure, but there hasn't been like you need to win pressure. Like this is now where that starts to come in. And I think it's a question of if he's just gonna be able to deliver the results of his plan, which hopefully he will. Um, but, you know, it's Pierre. Who knows what's going to happen? He's got, he's got Maguire there to help him now. So, yes, it's pretty much unstoppable. Dynamic duo, really. Yeah, exactly. So we wish uh, – we'll see how that plays out for the, the Dorian years, the next four or five years of Dorian for the Sens. Um, and as we mentioned, yeah, Kachuk. So, okay, here's the, here's the funny thing that happened on Twitter with this Kachuk stuff. So – this was a couple days. We're recording this on Monday, the 13th. And so this was, a, this was a few days ago. Sean Simpson went on like a tear about the Kachuk negotiations. And he's like, they're so far apart. Like he's frustrated. Everything's so bad. He's not. And then everyone's. And then some people were like, I've seen him in Ottawa. He's in Ottawa. Like he's here. Everything's fine. And then Wayne I think it was Scanlon. Wayne Scanlon who came out and was like, I can confirm that he is here. And everyone's like, oh, great. Well, Sean Simpson, you know, Sean Simpson's wrong. Everything's fine. And then he comes like 15 minutes later and he says, my bad. I just saw his car. It's not him. It's just his car. So, and now everyone's freaking out. Um, I, and then Kachuk posted like on his Instagram story that he's in like West Virginia watching his sister play yeah. field hockey. So he's clearly not in Ottawa. Um yeah, I thought, I don't know. I don't know if you guys were keeping up with that, but I thought that was pretty funny, the whole Twitter thing that was going on. Yeah, it, it was, uh, dude, Simmer just was tweet, like, it was just tweet after tweet about the situation. And then when the scaling thing came out, we kind of flipped, but, um, oh, well. It is, it's, it's weird because I, I'm not, I don't want to say that Sean Simpson is wrong, because what do I know? But it is, I have, like, I can't ignore that. It's a little bit strange that he is the only person who is tweeting about this. Well, the thing is, he seems to have ties to the Kachuk camp. Yeah. Because right? the info seems to be from that perspective which yeah. the, that he provides. But so it, it's definitely unique. 
you have to think the only three people sort of in the sense realm would be Wayne Scanlon and then Gary Ock and and Sean Simpson. Yeah. And then there was the Friedman talks about the possible eight by eight, right? Yeah. 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 Being offered. So. And I think I didn't catch it, but I think Frank Saravalli was on the Wally and the Thought Show this morning. And I didn't catch it, but I think he talked a bit about Kachuk. I can't imagine there's anything. Yeah, I haven't there. listened to it yet. But, but anyway, so we'll see. Kachuk is not an Ottawa. I, the thing that I'll say, I'm getting a little worried at the sense that, like, it's going to look bad if they start training camp and he's not there. But, I mean, once they get it done, I mean, they'll get it done. Like, I'm, I'm still... Yeah, it's know, an RFA. Like... Yeah. It's just like, it's really just, it's kind of just annoying now. It's like a lingering thing. Like they really yeah. should have it done by now. Like if he misses a couple games of camp, oh well. I, mm-hmm. it, it almost certainly won't spill into the regular season. And I think the worst part of this all, I don't think it's completely related, but it's been confirmed now that Stutzla and Norris will not be <laughs> living with Kachuk oh, because Kachuk's oh, going to be living in Stone's house with his longtime girlfriend. Oh, well. Apparently I mean, they're living close, be... though. Yeah, they're... and White and Batherson are also That's living right. close. So they're, They'll have, like, some keg parties and some backyard barbecues or whatever. Exactly. Turning up in Westboro. But, yeah, so that, that I mean, you can understand. Like, that's what I was, I was talking about this with a couple of friends of mine. That seems like a situation where that must have been, like, really fun for a year. But then, like, after a year, you're like, okay. <laughs> I, I, Especially like, since host... it was a COVID year. So they were all stuck together all the time. <laughs> yeah, holy, eh? Nor is probably, probably to go on that, a lot of walks. Yeah, it's probably for the best that they all spread out, did their yeah. own thing. Anyway, so that's your weekly Kachuk report. It's done. And we'll move on. Um, Sen's dev camp happened. I think today was actually the last like session for dev camp. Really? Yeah, because they ended with the three on three tournament, which they did. But then that's it's rookie true. camp. Then it's I think it had just camp. started like two days ago. Didn't yeah, it? but it's the difference between development camp and rookie camp, I think. Because rookie camp starts really soon. Maybe that just... makes sense. Def camp is usually, yeah, it's usually like just over a little bit of a, like more than a weekend. So yeah. It makes yeah. sense. Anyway. Um, so there have been, you know, everyone's been, because media is finally allowed back in the building now. So people Still on live like, streams though. No live streams, which is too bad. Um, but people, you know, are asking like who caught your eye, like reporters that are there. One thing that I notice. Obviously, I didn't watch it. I'm not. I don't have a media pass or anything. We literally but, could not. <laughs> yeah, you couldn't go. But the the sense had their they had a three on three tournament on Dev Camp today, and you're looking at the rosters. Jacob Bernard Docker, Shane Pinto, and Lassie Thompson were not on the three v three roster. Like they just weren't part of the tournament. What is it? So like I found it interesting. Uh, JBD and Pinto, you can kind of understand. Like they played NHL games last year. Josh, I found it super interesting that Lassie Thompson was on that list because he's kind of, I feel like he gets, I've said this before, he kind of gets lost a bit in the shuffle of all the defensemen that they have. But for him to have this kind of stick out and not play the 3v3 tournament, do you think that might be a sign that he could be competing for a spot on opening night roster? Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, he, he's completed like an entire season in the AHL now, right? So at the very least, he's guaranteed a high-end spot with Belleville. <clears throat> but it is definitely interesting because I don't know if he's one of the top eight defensemen on the team, let alone, you know, in the top six, because we looked at, you know, the other day, um, DJ Smith did an interview and he said Shabbat and Zub is going to be the top pair. And then yeah. Delzado Zaitsev is the <clears throat> shutdown pair. So yeah. at least two spots. And that's, 
you know, you have the vets like Holden and Josh Brown. Then you also have Mete and Brandstrom. You yeah. realistically see Lassie Thompson jumping <clears throat> over three of those four guys to be in the top yeah. six. I don't know. I think I'd rather him keep developing in the AHL. Yeah, and like Bruce Garriock, the thing is, Bruce in his recent article, he had an article, I think a few days ago, where he talked about like the six or five prospects to watch out for at dev camp. And he mentioned in the part about Lassie that the Sens were looking to get him into a game at the end of the season, but they, it just didn't work out in the end, which makes sense because they got all the Alsings in games, right? Yeah, that's right. He's He's gone, I think, now, though, Alsing. I he's think we still have his rights. But, but he's in the he's gone. playing for the K. He's playing in yeah. the K. That's like how we technically still have Mikhail Wickstrand's rights, don't we? <laughs> no, that, that expired, I think, this year. This oh summer. no. Oh, tough bounce. Shucks. Yeah, way of the road. Um, but yeah, I, I did find it interesting that Thompson was left out of that group. I also do think that JBD and Pinto well, JBD will start the AHL. It's almost like confirmed pretty much, right? Yeah. Like there's no way he gets a spot. Pinto, I would like to see play. I think like like they don't have a second line center. Like you could argue that it's Colin White. And I know that they said that it wanted to be Colin White. Josh, maybe you could talk a little bit about if you think that's true. Yeah, so I was reading the same article from DJ Smith. And they actually said um, three guys that he's giving a shot for second line center are Pinto, White, and Tierney. Yeah, there you go. Those are the three guys that are like competing for two Competing. It doesn't mean he's going to get it. <laughs> I mean, he's, but that's like a sense thing to do. Like you throw a veteran in the, in the competition so that it's, you know, it's like making the it's sort of so it. yeah yeah exactly make colin white and shane pinto be like hey we gotta surpass this vet who probably has the inside lane <laughs> the very high the high standards set by chris tierney they have yeah. to surpass that bar it's a tough challenge but i think that if if it came down to a coin flip between pinto and white i think they'd probably give it to white just because of you know ex- I, I think because of experience and age is a factor and like he's been grinding away at it they have him on the contract but you might as well hope that he can do something on it too which i'd be fine with if pinto's the third line center i don't really have an issue with that at all at least for the start of the year um i think if he's i think colin white would work well with tim stutzel too on the second line yeah as a playmaker because tim stutzel kind of needs that Mm -hmm. um i think that'd be good that those the two of them and connor brown and then you could put shane pinto with nick paul that would be a good duo on the third line so we'll see what they end up doing formington Formanton can play yeah. on that line. Too. Yeah, the one thing I hope that we see more of this year is set lines. Yes. I hate the flip-flopping oh. every single game. Like, last year – okay, so this is – Well, not even just last season. year. Oh, yeah. No, I know, for years now. But I just mean, you know, go for the first 10 games of the year. It can't be any worse than it was last year. Just make four lines after the preseason and stick yeah. to them and mm-hmm. see if the chemistry can build. Because the flip-flopping lines definitely doesn't help. Well, yeah, no, I, because remember, because there's, there's a couple of people that kind of stayed together a little bit throughout the year. Like could, like Kachuk, Norris, Batherson became a thing, I think near the yeah, end. Cause originally it was started, and Batherson. Yeah. Well, they started that, and ended. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, exactly. And, then, and that became the number, like the clear cut number one line, I think. So if they, when you keep them together, eventually it's going to work. And then you had like, you know, Paul and, and, uh, or, or sorry, Brown and Stutzel played together for a good bit, I think, near the end. And that ended up being a pretty good duo. But I agree. Like, it's 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 really frustrating because you look at other teams and they have, like, lines. Like, they have actual lines. They don't really change that often unless you're subbing in, like, a like a 12th forward or whatever. Maybe you switch it up because there's an injury. And then, it, like, 
since Twitter makes a habit of like, what are the practice lines? That shouldn't be a thing you have to worry about. You should know them already. Like they should be the same all the time, unless there's like a 10 game losing streak or something. It's, it's not like, I don't know. I Which feel like the whole did point happen of lines, at the beginning of the season. <laughs> yeah, sure. Fine. Point taken. But it didn't happen at, at points in the last four seasons where they've been juggling for, yeah, seems like forever. Um, but yeah, stability would be good. It would also just look good. Like to have like a number one line, a number two line, a number three line, and a number four line. There's no flip flop and nobody's confused. Um, I definitely agree. But going back to to Dev Camp and some of the standouts, we've mentioned this guy and Louie loves him. Angus Kirkshank seems to be making a very good impression on Dev Camp. And they, you know, Dorian said this like, he, he, he shouted out, we've talked about this in a previous episode, he shouted out Crookshank when he was talking about, it was in an interview, he was talking about the Batherson contract, and he's like, got a lot of young guys fighting for spots, like maybe Crookshank in a year or two. And already, like, said Jesse this year or next, actually. Yeah, sorry, this year or next. Even better. Jesse Winchester went on TSN 1200 a few hours ago, and he was like, Crookshank looks fantastic, like he could be like a Brendan Gallagher type player for the Sens. Um, so, Lou, I mean, this is your player, so I'll ask you the question. Um, <laughs> Do you like, do you realistically, what is his, like, realistically, what is his ceiling and can he play this year on the team at any point? Obviously, I think there's a, there is a chance this year, although like it's quite small and he'll be competing with guys like Greg for like, it's the, that middle slash bottom six winger role, I guess, or even if Tierney gets moved or Logan Ryan's definitely gone or and it, yeah. depending on how they gauge other guys, maybe two spots, but Sokolov is another guy who has the inside track, right? Greg. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, there's a chance. Uh, I'd love to see him this year, and he seems to agree with what Winchester said. He's yeah. Crookshank has been comparing himself to Gallagher for like two years now, so that mm-hmm. fits pretty well. And he likes to describe himself as like a guy who's hard to play against, which sense management's gonna love that, yeah. obviously. <laughs> That's all you um, need to say. Telling them what they want to hear, but uh, right. yeah, he 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 likes to drive offense. He gets a ton of shots off, and. He, he's fun to watch. He, he really is. Um, as for upside, pretty, he's not going to be like some crazy offensive dynamo or anything, right? He's likely just going to be a middle six guy as long as he makes it, who can like have, I think, pretty stand, pretty like standardly good uh, offensive metrics. Yeah. I mean, it, it is it, like, I think the thing is like, he might be a player, sure, but it's just he's competing with so many other guys for spots right now. Like, it's just, you can't really it's hard to craft a scenario where he's in the lineup in like a, you know, like, cause the thing is like with a player like that, like you put him on the fourth line, I don't think he's going to do like, that's not an effective place for him to be. It seems. Yeah. It's, it would have to be probably third line or something, but Hey, he's yeah. making a case for it. He scored in sure. both the, uh, both the first two training camp three on three games today. So. Mm-hmm. The, yeah. the other thing, I mean, if you look at it from an objective standpoint, like if you, if you like to look at an NHL equivalence and sort of, what a guy puts up in the AHL in terms of points and how that can translate to the NHL. Of course, there's more to it than just points, but he was almost a point per game in the AHL last year. And like a a 21-year-old, yeah. I'm not exactly sure his division, exactly how strong it is, but if we look just at the AHL... Because hockey is pretty good, and he was on a pretty poor UNH team. Yeah, yeah. for the AHL, a 21-year-old, normally the next season they'll put up about half the points per game that in the AHL. So if we look at 16 and 19, we translate that at half a point per game to the NHL. That's like a 30, 35 point guy. Of course, you know, on the third line, it might be a bit harder. No power play time either, but 
I mean, the stats are there. And if he proves it in camp, then maybe he'll get, you know, a third line role. Like we were talking about Pinto and Nick Paul. Maybe he can fill the third line left wing with those two. I mean, I I agree. I think that the thing that stands in his way is like you talk about, you look at the Sens prospect pool at forward, how many third line prospects can you have? Like <laughs> at, at some point, either some of them need to go fourth or second line, but you can't have nine third liners. That's not really how it works. Like some of them. Have oh, to you play can, you just lines. won't win. <laughs> okay. Thank you. DJ. Just look at the but, Montreal Canadiens. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. But anyway, we'll see. Kirk Shank is, he looks exciting. I'm sure he'll play his games in due time, but a year in the AHL might be good for him. Um, yeah. And we will see how it progresses. Um, but moving on, we will keep it on. And, and also like the Sens play a game in like five days. I think that one will be televised because in the, so. in the past, anyway, like usually they do it like on their Facebook page, which is really stupid. But <laughs> it's something, man. I'll take it. Past, I, if I have to watch yeah. it on like, if I have to watch it on Twitch, I'll watch it on Twitch. If I have to go like on on hockey TV and yeah. go through all those ads <laughs> and set up a crazy ad blocker, I'll do it. Like, yeah. but and in the past, they've always had the um the rookie training camp or tournament games, like against like, Toronto, somewhere. Winnipeg, and Montreal streamed. Yeah. yeah. So. So we'll I'm sure you'll everyone will figure it out. Um, but moving on, we haven't talked about the 67s yet at all. I don't think, but this is, if you have seen our logo, they are in the logo. So yes. should mention it. They, their season is starting very soon. In fact, it starts before the send season. I think their first game is October 2nd or 3rd. Yeah. It's like a week and a little bit more before or right. something like that. Uh, 67s, the last couple of years have been very, very good. And they really got screwed by COVID because they kind of missed out on a couple possible Memorial cup trips. And now, and now they are in this new era of try it all again from scratch. Uh, so Louis is a, is kind of our 67s expert here. Um, they've been going through their little preseason camp. Um, a lot of guys coming in, a lot of young new guys coming in. Uh, not a lot of OHL experience, if any. Um, so why don't you talk about some of the really impressive uh, 67s? kids that stood out at camp and, and might push for roster spots this year well first of all when you just think of exciting prospects that they have well first of all this this team is going to be still pretty exciting to watch they got a lot of young skill and they don't have like the the big names anymore like rossi's gone sadly um literally big guys like kevin ball are gone um and on like the other Holscher end and keating are gone yeah at, at least Holscher is at uh sends dev camp right now yeah that's he? right yeah yeah, so good for him. Um, <laughs> but uh, Pinelli, Luca Pinelli, brother of Francesco Pinelli, just got drafted. Um, was by it forty second by the with the pick that the Sens traded away? I think yeah. to move down and get Ben Roger. But yep, that's right. Yeah, Luca Pinelli, he's he's just a monster offensively. Like his like not only just looking at him play and his actual statistics and production are absolutely incredible. Um, his, the playmaking and the vision he possesses are, are great. He, he can finish too. He just oozes skill and smarts. And he's not really shy physically either. And he had pretty good chemistry with um, another one of the lesser known guys, Giovanni Morneau there, who, although he got cut, it's just, it would have been nice to maybe see a little bit more of those two together. And then another pretty big name who I think is going to play more in a bottom six kind of role, at least to start the season is Brady Stonehouse. And he's another Brady power forward. <laughs> um so a lot of people like to make the comparison it might sound lazy but it's it, it kind of fits honestly like he plays with a ton of energy never quits he just like he displays that he has like passion for the game and he still has a pretty good skill set coupled with his physicality 
there's there are a bunch of guys that will be new faces and and we'll see them kind of develop into their role as OHL players. But the other thing that's new about the 67s is their bench because longtime and very successful coach Andre Tourney is gone. He's now the coach of the Coyotes. His assistant, Sad. Mario Duhamel, is also going to the Coyotes. So they needed someone. And, of course, you know, Ottawa likes to keep their ties pretty close. So Dave Cameron is coming back to the Capitals. Let's, yeah, woo, Dave Cameron. He's coming back, and he is coaching the 67s. He was – I think he spent the last couple of years coaching, like, the Vienna Capitals of yes. the Dublin League. The Austrian League. League, yeah. Yeah, that one. And ICHL? Yeah, that sounds familiar. But anyway, he is the coach. Um, do you think this is the right move? Because Dave Cameron has been coaching men's like perfect, like you know, men's leagues for the last little while. Um, but he has had success there, I mean, some success there at least. Do you think he's the right coach for the uh, for this young 67s group? I think so. I think he was like honestly, I was a little shocked because i hadn't heard about dave cameron a little bit right because he wasn't anywhere near the nhl for the last couple years he was in vienna as you said but um i actually listened to because he was on the wally and method show like yes not too long either before after the signing and touringy really gave him pretty uh, shining praise and even then he stepped in for his role at the world juniors also didn't he like because tourney was set i was confused about that because tourney was announced as like coach of that team obviously mm-hmm. i don't think he'll be able to do that he's coaching no. an nhl team now so, so yeah cameron is taking over also as canadian world junior coach geez. so it's funny how he's replacing him pretty much well, completely it's a, it's a good gig for him eh holy yeah god steps that's right in gets to do everything quite the upgrade but it, it i'm gonna like to see uh, how he transitioned over touring he had such a big imprint on the team yeah. uh during the big runs so it's definitely going to be an adjustment, and although not that there's many returning players, right, to, to yeah. really make the transition, like the big guys are like Matir and Tolnai, who uh, they, they seem to really, actually we can transition right into that, Tolnai and Matir, along with Belanger, went to go, um, I guess, pick up Vinjens Rohrer, who's their uh, import draft import. pick from the season, from the season yep. at the airport. And there was a mention in the tweet about like a welcoming committee or something or something about leadership and everything. So I was like, could that be the captaincy group for this season? Yeah, <laughs> a, definitely yeah, possible. They they they've posted a lot of toll nine tweets on the on the yeah. 67's timelines so. and Mateer too and Mateer, yeah. So it could definitely be the we'll case. See. And, and toll nine did look much better. He looked improved. Like Adam and I like to joke about toll nine Cranley. Um, during the last couple of seasons, because Tall Knight was very snake bitten, he couldn't seem to finish anything, and had he was getting chances play. every game. It seemed like he, he like always hit the well. post. Like Gareffa yeah. would set him up with a beautiful chance, and he'd just have an open net and just hit the post and out. He was like Connor Brown a little bit, except before Connor Brown became the best player on the planet. And now maybe he'll have his Connor Brown breakout season because he he actually is starting to show the IQ that he was drafted for, and way more dynamic, confident, mm. and free flowing than prior. <laughs> One thing I'm interested, Louis, um, have you been able to watch Belanger much? A uh, he... little bit. I'm pretty sure he was still on D, if that's what you're asking. Okay, yeah, because, well, I just remember, like, from 2019-20, like, he was really fun to watch, and it was a pain sometimes when he wasn't getting a ton of ice time. Like, he, he was half a point per game as a defenseman. I know he played some games at forward. But not a lot, both. Yeah. 
So I'm, I'm curious to see how he'll uh, take a step this year because he didn't play much last year. He went to Finland and he only played like a handful of games. Yeah, I actually just found out about that Finland thing not too long ago. I completely yeah. missed that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So while we're, we'll do what was, we'll finish up the 67s here with a, with a relation to the Sens because Senators, as everybody knows, drafted Tyler Boucher this past summer. And Tyler Boucher, his OHL rights belong to the 67s, as in the 67s picked him in the draft. So if he were, obviously he's going to college. Like it's pretty much, it's, it's confirmed. Like he's there, he's playing, he's at BU. But once again, there's Sean Simpson on Twitter who is throwing out the idea that Tyler Boucher should come play for the 67. Not the sure. OHL. Just well, thinking about it. He stated I'm, that he was that. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure, but he said, but he, but the way that he worded the tweet, if I'm not mistaken, is like, it, it is in this guy's best interest to come here. I think. Yeah. He was talking about how Boyd really was really grinding the gears for it. Yeah, I think he said something along the lines of how the 67s, yeah, we're like talking to him and he's thinking about it. It's like, I, I'm pretty sure there was no truth to that. I think that was just Brent thinking. Wallace clapped back about that too. And said, oh, yeah. that was so funny. Oh my God. <laughs> A little friendly beef between Sens media writers. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, Josh, I mean, do you th- like, it seems pretty obvious, but yeah, I mean, it, the right play for Boucher is is going to college, correct? That's interesting because I'd usually say yes, but Tyler Boucher's big thing is his offensive game that he really has to work on, and that's something that he'd get a lot more opportunity to do in the OHL. Yeah, I mean, the NCAA is a stronger league, but the OHL lets you use creativity and stuff offensively a lot more. Mm-hmm. So I don't even think the OHL would be a bad idea for Boucher. Of course, that cuts off the NCAA completely. But if your goal is to become, you know, a much better offensive player, maybe the OHL would have been the right move. The only thing is if the 67s are going to be, you know, a not so good team this year, I can understand why he wouldn't want to do that. Yeah, he could pull a Jonathan Gruden and do like his first year in college yeah, and then right. come over to the OHL after once he realizes he really needs to, you know, flourish offensively or something. Maybe by then the 67s are better. Guys like Barlas, Rohrer, and Pinelli are like legitimately good, good supporting options for him. Yeah, we'll see. I, I I mean, it's never a bad idea. Like, these good program. Like, they'll, he'll, he'll do fine there, I think. It's, he'll be able to work on a lot of stuff, play against a little bit older guys too. Um, but the door is always open. 67s. He'll be he'll be close to Pierre. He'll be close to everybody who's important. But uh, who knows if that uh, if that will ever happen? I think that's all for the 67s. We'll talk more about the 67s as the season gets going. Um, they are in the podcast description, so <laughs> we will be mentioning them from time to time. They'll be a fun team to watch, like Louis said, um, as they try to rebuild after their tough couple years with COVID. But we will see how it goes for them. Moving on, I'm so excited for this. So please, please play along at home because this is, I think this is going to be fun. We have finally happening. It's finally happening. Long awaited trivia. (laughs) I have 11 questions in front of me that I have hand selected. Um, Some of them are hard. Like some of them are are hard. Some of them are not as hard, but they're all, I'd like to think they're all pretty difficult or they'll just, I'll just get schooled by Josh and Lewis. and They're actually not difficult at all. But anyway, I'm going to just, say them out one by one i'll let louis and josh talk amongst themselves to try to come up with a collective team answer or maybe if they have different answers we'll see which one's right um 
obviously you can't look anything up. That should be an obvious rule. Damn it. That was my plan. <laughs> no cheating. I know we've all done online school for over a year now, but <laughs> this one's being proctored. No cheating. Um, so yeah, try your best at home. See if you can get any of these. Um, let's get started. I don't have an order. I just made them all. So the easy and hard ones are going to be mixed in there. Um, question number one. Name all of the NHL teams that Michael Delzato has played on before the Sens in order. Okay, order. I, I come on. So, Rain. Oh no, was it Rangers first? No. <laughs> Damn it! Can we remove the in order part? Yeah, Just but you only get half to find point. all of them. Okay, I'll take half a point. All right. Yeah. Okay, so the last one was Columbus. Yes. So that's he played one. for Anaheim right before that. Let me. Let me note these down so I remember. <laughs> yeah, so he played for, yeah, so CBJ, Anaheim. Uh, played for the Rangers. Was he with the Habs at some point? I don't think so. <sighs> oh, damn. I think he started <laughs> with the Rangers. He played with the Flyers. because that's. I was going to say, yeah, was he with Philly? Yeah. That's when the whole Lisa Ann situation came up, which is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <sighs> God. Um, so that's four. Maybe five. I don't I don't think it was Montreal, but maybe. Do you want me to give you the number of teams? Sure. I think it's nine. It's going to be like seven. No, no oh, Sens are the ninth, so it's eight, right? It's seven. Seven without One, the Sens? Seven. Okay. So... Without the Sens, it's seven, but he played with one of the teams two separate times. So was it six? No, no, it's seven. no, it's seven teams. He just returned. Okay, one of them, okay. Yeah. So right, it's seven. So I'll give you seven. We're saying New York, Philly, Columbus, Anaheim. Anaheim. Three more. Was he with? Wasn't he with Vancouver at some point? Yes, I think yeah. I believe so. Okay, we're gonna say one. Vancouver. That's five. Okay. Oh, so I don't two think you're more. gonna get the other two. I there's really don't. Two more. So, okay. so we have the first five. Yes. Those are the, well, they're they're not in the correct order. In, no, yeah. no, but those are five. But they are the correct. Yes. Yes. Okay. Where did he go after the Rangers? Was it Philly directly? Oh. Damn. Yeah. What teams exist in the league? <laughs> uh, hey, does it, is it cheating if I just look up a list of the teams to get a refresher? Not that I. It's a little teams, sad, but, like, but it's not cheating. I feel no, like I have to like, do this all the time. No, I agree with that. I agree with Josh. I do that all I the time. I can name you all questions. 32 teams. I just like... Can't think of helps. them in... Yeah. I'm going to give uh, you 30 seconds to give me the last two teams. Okay. Uh, might have to just guess here. Come on, load. Just give us a time when we need our final answers. Okay. Yes. And then Louie and I will each give our two guesses. Because this to me is a complete guess. He wasn't with Tampa at some point, was he? That's not an answer. No, no, it's not. Final answer. Get it in. Two, two teams. I don't know. I'm going to go Tampa, Montreal, but I know it's wrong. Tampa, Montreal. Okay, I'm going to go. <clears throat> I was going to go Detroit and Nashville. So here's the order. He played with the Rangers yes. first. Yeah, yeah. The next team was the Nashville Predators for yes. less than half a season. Good stuff. Then he was the Flyers, Canucks, Ducks. He was on the St. Louis Blues when they won the cup. 
Oh, no way. No yep. It was a trade. He didn't play in any playoff games. He played in like three regular season games, but he was acquired at the deadline. Wow. That's then after the Blues, <laughs> after the Blues, he went back to Anaheim for a bit. Yeah. And okay. then Columbus and then Ottawa. Oh, nice. So that was honestly, that was not bad. He got like technically six. Yeah. Josh pulled it not out. Not in order, but, end, but yeah. I just I was looking at logos and I was like that could make sense. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> honestly, I even looked at St. Louis and I was like, nah. No, no, no I way. looked at Detroit and then I was like, Detroit has Detroit's so many not bad, bad players. Guess. Yeah, that's not a bad guess at all. All right, so question number two. I'm not at. There's no order for this one. Don't worry. But I will ask you to name every goalie who has played in a game for the Sens since including the 2015-16 season. Oh, we're that 13. far back. There are 13. 13. Okay, so right. Anderson. I'm going on Google Docs. And we're Hogberg. Uh, Hammond. Yes, Hammond. You can brainstorm this now. I'm going to ask for your full list. Gustafson. In like two minutes. Okay, don't don't say it out loud. Louis. I will. Okay. Let's see right. who has the better list. Oh, who has okay. more. So it's a challenge now. <laughs> <sighs> I don't think you guys are going to get all You said there was 13. There's 13. There's 13. Since 2015-16 or 2014-15? 15-16. Like, including that year. That is so long ago. Okay. Maybe more, one more minute. I'm trying to remember. Louis, let's hope that together we can figure out all yeah. 13. Like, if we have nine, hopefully we have, like, five of the same. I have ten currently. What? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's pretty good. I'm trying to remember. I think I know that the three good. that you're missing, too. I probably. I, well, I think I might have one of those three. I can't remember like the 2015-16 stuff. That's too long ago for my young brain. I can't. It's too ancient. It's not fully developed. <laughs> no, not enough wrinkles. <laughs> Man, what the hell? Okay, I'm gonna call it. This is unfair. I would like to hear both of your lists, please. Starting Louis, with go for Louis. Louis, I know you have one more than me, so go right ahead. Okay, so I got Anderson, Hogberg, Hammond. Gustafson, Condon, Murray, oh. Forsberg, McKenna, Nilsson, and Decord. I have all of those, so we're missing the same ones. Which one did you forget? I, I forgot Mike Condon. That was ah. the one I forgot. So Everyone else, though, I had. Here are all 13 goalies, okay? Decord, Forsberg, Hogberg, Gustafson, Murray, Anderson, Condon, Nilsson, McKenna, Danny Taylor, Played one game. Oh my goodness! Wow. Andrew Hammond, Chris Drieger played in a couple. Oh, really? And the infamous Matt O'Connor home opener. Of course. Oh, how could I forget? That's yeah. That was quite good though. Ten. I didn't think you guys were gonna get ten. A lot of I was was asking like the McKenna. Yeah, McKenna. I didn't think you were gonna get. That was pretty good. That was, yeah, good try. Wow. I literally saw a tweet from Mike McKenna like yesterday. That's why I remembered. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Okay, we'll move on. This one is not a list thing. So this should take, this should, this is just going to be a guess for you. Oh, God. Which Sens player holds the record for the highest single season shooting percentage by play, playing at least 50 games played in the season? Okay. All right. Ooh. Okay. Obviously, it's hard to just pick games. Well, it's hard to pick any player in the last like 28 years of Senators history. So I will say it is in the last 10 seasons. I think really, I was going to guess. I'll um, give a guess. What's the name of the guy? Because there's a guy that went like on an absolute shooting bender for the Sens, like back in like the the late 90s. And I can't remember his name. 
This is according to Hockey Reference. So, yes. so like I said, website. I know this guy had a very high shooting percentage. I don't know if he played 50 games. That's 50 games issue. in a season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll right see. Now, what we, it's bothering me that I can't even remember the guy from the '90s that I was going to guess. But so I gotta, I gotta actually think about. Um, you want me to go see, first? Yeah, you said the last ten seasons, Adam. Okay, my in guess, the last ten seasons. My guess is Sens legend Brian Gibbons. I don't okay. think he played. Yeah, he didn't. Definitely didn't play fifty. I think he played like no? two. Yeah. Ah. Now I was gonna guess. I also don't think this guy played fifty, but. I think Chris Didominico didn't shoot a lot, <laughs> but he scored on like a very high amount of those. I don't think he played 50, but if he did, I think that could be a possible answer. So I'm, I, I guess I'm going to go with Didominico because I can't really think of anything else. So the two answers are Brian Gibbons and Chris Didominico, yeah, right? Probably both. Incorrect. The answer is Matt Duchesne. In really? 2018-19, he had a 21.4 shooting percentage. Ah, in 50 is. games, 51 games or something. Before we got pull up Chris Domenico now. I just looked at it. Yeah, Brian Gibbons only played 20 with the Sens that yeah, season. That's right. However, let us see how high he shot. <laughs> I and honestly, Gibbons was a good guess. I I was I, he oh, like he didn't play. He shot 28.6 percent yeah, on the well, Sens. Yeah. So there you go. Domenico right. in 24 games shot 26.09. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, this is this is why you have to put a. A, a 50 game mark on there or there's yeah. just going to be like way too many of those um so it is matt duchene in 2018-19 shot above 21 percent, which is ridiculous look at didamico um, half a point per game in 2017-18 what a guy oh what happened to him 32 percent face off so. <laughs> oh, next well. question we're just ripping through these who is the only player to ever wear number 97 for the sense oh uh I know this. Can I guess it? Yeah, go like ahead, right away. I have no clue. Isn't it no Matt clue. Gilroy? Yeah, that is incredibly yeah. impressive. Very, very nice. 2012, Matt Gilroy. Do you I know guess... why he wears 97? I don't. Please enlighten because me. Because when he was young, him and his brother were like on the first day of minor hockey or whatever. They went and they had to go pick their number. They ran to the rink and they both wanted 99, but that was already taken. <laughs> so Gilroy got there a little bit before and he got 98. His brother got 97. And then his brother tragically passed away. So in honor of his brother, Gilroy wears his number 97. Oh, wow. That's a great story. Yeah. There you go, Matt Gilroy, number 97. For a good reason, too. Yeah. I was very impressed that you knew that. I didn't. I thought that was going to be one of the harder ones, but very nice. Josh, did you know that one? Just say yes. Absolutely no clue. Okay. I'll be honest. We'll stick with the theme of numbers for this next one. Lovely. There have been... Uh, okay, hold on. I need to look at my sheet here. There have been 10 numbers non-retired that have never been worn by a player in sense history. Oh Name five of them. So the, the ones that are off limits are 99, 8, 11, and 4. Yes. I guess. So never worn but not retired. There's five? Or name five, you're saying? There's 10, and I'm okay. asking you to name five. <clears throat> Goodness. Um... You want to just shoot off random numbers, Louis? Yeah, <laughs> I think each? we have okay, to. I'll, all right, all right. Um, it's got to be really stupid numbers. Um, 90, 96. I That actually might be very good, yeah. I'm thinking 96. That could be one. You want to lock um, that in? Or do you want to just give me the five at the end? Let's. No, let's... you just tell us this, right? <laughs> <laughs> you want to actually do it that way? 
Um, I don't know. Let's try to come up with a few. Just Give me a before. list of five, and I'll tell you how many you got right. All right, Adam, here's our list. You ready? <laughs> and as we say them, you say if it, if it is correct or not, okay? One okay, by one. Go, one at a time. All right, 96. Correct. 98. Incorrect. Who wore it? 98 was worn by, let me just pull it up right here, Victor Mete last year. Oh, oh we're my stupid. Goodness. Oh my. We're so dumb. We're it's thinking too one. far into the past. We're thinking about one. Yeah, exactly. Oh, goodness. Okay, keep right, going. We're going to cut that out of the podcast. No, we're not. <laughs> um, 80, 87. That is correct. Perfect. 69. That is correct as well. Yeah. So we're three for four. 62. That's Clark Bishop. Wait, that no. That is incorrect. 62. Oh. Was there's two players that wore 62. Eric Griba wore 62. Oh, so did of Clark course. Oh. Right as you said 62, I was like, wait, no. All right, make mistake. moving on. 52. That is incorrect. 52 Ooh. has been worn by four players, most Jeez. notably Oli Alsing last year, as well as Colin Greening, who wore it for a while. Can you yeah. tell that we did not? Enjoy, like last season was not memorable to us. <laughs> no, especially not the Ole Olsen games, apparently. Uh, 56. I, I think this is wrong. That's your next one? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's incorrect. 56 has been worn by three players, uh, most notably Magnus Pyarvi. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. We actually should have had that. What is wrong? 75. 75 is correct. Yay. That was a very 94. Good 94 is incorrect. Really? And 94 was worn by some guy who I don't even know who that is from 1995 to 1997. His name is Stan Neckar. Stanislav okay. Neckash so, or whatever. I think. Okay. I and then 80. That's 80 is correct. Oh, 80 wow. Okay. So we got what, six? It's not bad. Five. So here's the full list for those of you who want to keep track at home 54. We, well, to be fair, we did name five in the end yeah. that were yeah. correct. 54, 66. 69, 75, 80, 84, 87, 88, 96, and 92. 80. We should have gone more 90s. It's always the high numbers. All of those numbers. 88. Really? Yeah. yeah. That's shocking. Isn't that crazy? 66, we should have guessed. I thought Formanton was going to go to 88, but like for this upcoming season, he's going to 10. Yeah. It's his birthday anyway. today. Actually. Yeah, happy birthday, Alex Warmington, by the way. Hope you're his birthday when this drops, but oh uh, well. True. Uh, okay, moving on. So for anybody who knows me, they know I have to put a Tom Pyatt question in here. Of course. This is maybe my <sighs> favorite one. So the Sens had a very nice run in 2017, as we all know. And Tom Pye was on that team. In the playoffs, he played. He scored two goals in the playoffs. Yes. I need you to name me the games that he scored. In the 2017 okay. Stanley Cup. Played against the Rangers. Yes. Against, against the Rangers. Rangers. It was the, the, game the goal. goal the, the Tom Pyatt goal was is in our goal call. Is it like the goal call is in our intro? So I think was that the was that the Let's slow this down here. Let's I think that down. was the Turris OT game against the Rangers. There's I agree. It was a comeback game. Mm-hmm. It was in Ottawa. So three or four or, or sorry. Did they have home? And it was yeah, a second period goal. It was at home. Game five? So they were shooting like in the same direction that the OT goal was. So I'm going to. So game two or five? Yes, game five. Game five. Because game two with Pedro. Game five? 
Yes. Game right, five against five, the Rangers. 2016-17 Rangers. Are you locking that? Is that in? one of them? Yes. That's yeah. One that is them. that is that is correct. That's very yes. impressive. Okay. There's one okay. more. Okay. Uh, did he score in round one? <laughs> that's what I'm trying to remember. Was it against the Penguins or the Rangers? Did he score twice the... against the Rangers? I've won it. I'm wondering oh. if he twice against the Rangers. You see, this one, I we're not getting right. I don't think. I I will be honest. I didn't even know he scored in this. Before I <laughs> should we get a can we get a hint? It's in it's against Pittsburgh. It's against here. If you here's one of a hint, either like home or away, or if it was a losing game or a winning game. It was actually at home. <laughs> Do they win or lose the game? I believe they lost this game. You believe? <laughs> That's I will fact check that for you right now. How did that? Because he it wasn't game six, because that was Hoffman and Ryan. Because I was at that game. And so game six. They lost it. Pittsburgh? They lost this game. They lost it, and it was at home. So that was either game three or four. It could have been against Boston, game one or oh, two. Oh, I know the game. Actually, I do know this. Is it a triple OT game? No, 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 no. It was it was the game where they failed to come back when Carlson had a chance late. And he got robbed. And we were like coming back. MacArthur scored in that game against the Penguins. Oh, but oh, against the Penguins. Against the Penguins. So that was, was that before or after when we murdered them? Like we chased Murray (laughs) or Flurry out of the net. That would we chased Flurry out from Murray. It would have been before. When did we chase Flurry out? Was that game Game three or four? Four, four, I believe. Because it would be the other one. Was did we chase him game four? Or I thought we it... no. Wasn't it game three? No, game three. Game three. Okay, so I'm, I think it was game four. Then I'm gonna say game four against the Penguins. You're locking it in. Yes, that's a fair. That's Louis' answer. I don't take credit. Yeah, so that is correct. That is correct. It took a couple of hints, but that was a tough one. Um, yeah, he did score. They lost that game three two. Yes, I believe he scored the second goal. Mm-hmm. So there's your Tom Pyatt question of the day uh, in the Zoopcast trivia. That was not bad. I'm very, I'm, I'm quite glad you got the first one pretty easily. Uh, moving on, we'll make it a bit easier. Some multiple choice questions. I know everybody likes those. Of course. Which of the following players did not ever play on a pair with Eric Carlson? Yerky Yokopaka, Andre Benoit, Michael Koska, or Joe Corbo? <laughs> Beat the options, what? <laughs> okay, Which of the so... following players did not ever at any point Yerky. play on a pair with Eric Carlson? Yerky Yokopaka, Andre Benoit, Michael Koska, or Joe Corbo? Okay. And three of these four did. Three of these four did play with Eric Carlson for a period of time in their career. Okay, so I'm pretty confident in saying that Yerky Yokopaka did play yes. with him. Yeah, I know their careers intersected for sure, but I don't know if they were on the same pair, right? Because that's the question. The question I would say Corvo somehow did in one of his first two seasons, like one of Carlson's first two seasons. I think Benoit might have. What are the middle two options again? Maybe not. Andre Benoit and Michael Koska are the middle two options. I would say Koska, but yeah, I'd go with Koska too. Lock it in. This is mostly let's lock it in. Okay, Koska. So I'll start with the I'll start with the other guys. Joe Corvo did play with Eric Carlson for 34 minutes in 2013-14. Andre Benoit did play with Eric Carlson 11 minutes over the course of three seasons. So that counts. Okay. 
And you said your final answer was Michael Koska? Yes. He played with Eric Carlson no. 22 minutes what? in 2015 16. Yerky Yokopaka <laughs> never played on a pair with Eric Carlson. Wow. I thought he would have. Yeah. Because they got him for in 2016 17, right? But he never played on the pair. He played games. Wow. And it, yeah, and they got him at the same time that Mathot was injured. So that's why I thought definitely they got he him must have the, played a little bit. They got him in the same trade they got Formanson. Right? Yeah, yes. that was Calgary trade. The Lazar <clears throat> trade. <laughs> <laughs> That worked out great for both sides, I think. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. All right, we'll move on. That was a tough one. That was a good guess. I would have probably guessed that one too had I not known. Mm-hmm. Um, this one's an easy. This one's a. We're, we're doing a little bit of a spelling bee. I'm a, I was a journalism major for a bit. Good, like a good spelling bee. What, I don't know how you can do this with two people, but spell yes. David Jerzinski. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna write it down. Just the last name. Am I or just... <laughs> Well, sure. I mean, last name. We'll go last name. All right. I have a guess. Me but I know too. it's going to be wrong. How do you want to do Are there any J's? No. I'm not going to answer that question. I, okay. I'll go first. Okay. Go. All right. I'm not so, going to tell you if you're right or not. Can you pronounce it again first? Just David so can... Jerzinski. Can you use it in a sentence? <laughs> I saw <laughs> David Jerzinski at the game. <laughs> um, okay. So Jerzinski, I'm going to say it's D-Z-Y-U-R-Z-I-N-S-K-I. That is incorrect. Damn it. Ooh, mine's quite a bit different, but let's see. Okay. All right. Mine is. D Z I U R S Z I N S K Y. That is also incorrect. Both of you were quite close. The official spelling <laughs> is D Z I U R Y. Or sorry, my mistake. I will whoa, go again. D Z I U R Z Y N S K I. Interesting. I need to see that one second. I'm just gonna... <laughs> Unless I completely messed that up, which I really hope I didn't because I literally looked it up and revised it more than once. David. No, you what have it the right. heck? Isn't that crazy? What a uh, name. I mixed, okay, so I mixed up the, the I and the Y. I and the Y at the beginning. Yeah, you and were very close. Okay. Josh wasn't far either. Like, I, it's not a bad guess in my opinion at all. If I just had the... So what did I have? I just added an S in the middle yeah. and then did a Y at the end instead of yes. an I. Otherwise, yeah, right. I had two minor mistakes. Yeah. That was it, yeah. No, those were good Damn. guesses. I can respect Plus. that. Next question. We have three more of these. The Sens signed Scott Gomez at the end of the 2015-16 season. Oh, boy. How many games did he play and how many points did he get? Okay, so it was after the trade, so it was after the trade deadline to kind of push them into the playoffs, even though they knew he couldn't play. This is correct. Um, it's, it's, the fact it's that he's asking this question lot. tells me something interesting happened. Like I, maybe he barely played, but he still got points or something like that. I'm like, maybe I honestly I'm don't know how after. I'm going to get anything better than this. So I'm going to get like nine games, four points. I was going to say seven games, four points, but now I feel like I got to switch. I'm going to say 13 games, and he didn't manage a point. He played 13 games. That was very, very, very good guess. He got one point. Oh, I was going to say He got a secondary oh. assist, I believe, in gaming. Okay. We're, we're taking those off of basic That's a pretty stats, good – I'll so give you a half good. point for that. That's Yeah, that's Adam meant – or Josh meant primary points. Right, so. yeah. yeah. Sorry, I wasn't clear. Um. Okay, next, two more. In which of these categories 
is Daniel Alfredson not the franchise leader? Penalty shots taken, penalty shots scored, hat tricks, or plus minus? There's no way he's first in plus minus. That's got to be a defenseman, right? Well, he played through a lot of their best years. That's the thing. Yeah. Nobody, like, Carlson's not. Sorry, can you say those stats again? Penalty shots taken. Yeah. Penalty shots scored. Okay. Hat tricks. Okay. Plus minus. So the fact that he brought penalty shots up twice. Interesting. I think it might be hat tricks. What if Danny Heatley just had like eight hat tricks in his 50 goal year? Oh, wait, maybe not. Because I remember like there was Ian Mendez had a had a hat trick question in his Sens trivia thing that came out. And I honestly, oh man, that's tough. What was the what was the last one? Plus uh, minus. Plus minus. Yeah. Oh, right. I'm going to need an answer. It's a multiple I'm choice just going to say hat tricks. I don't think it's right, but I'm going to say hat tricks. Okay, well, I was going to say hat tricks, but I can't pick the same thing. Well, well you, you can. can. I'm going to say, say, I'm going to say penalty shots taken. He didn't lead, but he did lead in penalty shots scored. That's All saying. right. He led in penalty shots scored with three. Wow. He led in penalty shots taken with six. Oh, man. He <laughs> led in hat tricks with 10 and the plus minus Don't leader is Wade Redden oh, with, well. 190, with 159. Daniel Alverson is a plus 153. He's second. Bro. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, last question. Which of these players played the most games with the sets? Not in their career, just with the sets. Okay. Mark Borowiecki, <laughs> Nick Felino, Mark Stone, or Antoine Vermette? Who played the most with the sets on the sets? I think it's between Boro and Vermette. I think. Hold on. Let me. Well, no, <laughs> don't look it up. up. No, no. You said Boro, Vermette. Who were the Felino other two? and Stone. Felino. And Stone. So I just want to have them all there so I can. You can look at the names? Yeah. Exactly. Oh, it could be Stone. I'm thinking Stone. He's been there for a while, actually. Yeah. I'll say not Felino. I don't think it's Felino. No, 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 I think Stone would have more than Felino. It's more than Mm -hmm. like Felino was traded still pretty young. Yeah. And the question is, how many games did Boro actually get in, and how many was he like healthy scratched? Stone came in in 2011-12, right? No, no, 13, wasn't it? It was. He played. He started playing when they played the Rangers in the playoffs, and they lost in seven. Yes. Wasn't that? that? Wasn't that thirteen? It may have been. Mm, 2012-13. Mm. I think he got an assist in the 2013 playoffs, if that makes sense. Is in 2012-13? I yeah. need an answer here, please. I'm going to say Mark Stone. You're forcing I, me here. Okay. I was going to say Stone, but I think I'm going to say Vermette. I will go in order of lowest to highest games played of this list. Lowest Felino. Yeah. Most is Felino with 351. Next is then it is Anton Vermette. Yes. Then it is Mark Stone with 366. Mark Warbieski's played 375. So so you got guys really close in games. That is the point. That is the point of the question. True. All right. Well, that's Sens trivia. They did not pass. I hope that 
you guys at home passed. I I give you like maybe what, a, like a D plus or something on that. Yeah, we got like some multiple like there was some uh, like there was a couple answers. Yeah, yeah, there was a couple half ones. You guys were close. I'll give you I'll give you a C for effort, but not much. Not I can't give you much more than that. Um. So yeah, let us know how you did at home. Maybe you did better than us. Maybe you didn't. Um. Let us know if we should do something like this again. I had a lot of fun making these. I hope you guys had fun trying to answer them. Um, Definitely. But uh, maybe we'll see Sense Trivia again in a future episode. I think that's all the time we have for today. Uh, got a lot of stuff covered. So thank you, as always, for tuning in, listening. Make sure to subscribe on whatever podcast platform you are listening on. And we will see you next time. Take care, everyone. Bye.